Hi, I'm Rich Heller and welcome to Rich in Relationship. And today we're going to be interviewing Karen Bigman, who is the founder of The Divorcierge. Karen is an amazing divorce coach. She partners with individuals going through divorce, consulting with them on how to navigate the emotional and financial and logistical issues. She, in addition to coaching people, does divorce planning and helps people find the right team of professionals, which makes her pretty unique in this field. She's a graduate of Columbia with an MBA and actually has her own personal experience of divorce, which I'm sure she'll share all this good stuff with us. How are you today, Karen? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. I ran out of air. <laughs> too many credentials. Oh. <laughs> it's always hard to listen to your own, your own credentials, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so tell us, how did you get inspired to get into this work? I actually um, am a little different than many of my peers in that um, I was inspired by a friend who was navigating divorce herself. I ran into her in uh, the bank. She was about to, um, she'd finalized her divorce. It was a, had been a long marriage. And although she was a very capable, um, in fact, woman, she had her own business. Uh, when it came to dealing with the uh, administrative stuff that had to do with banking, um, anything in her house, she was at a loss at this point. Mm -hmm. I ended up working with her just as a friend. And from that, I realized that if, if someone like her could have so much difficulty, uh, then there must be other people. And the idea of this concierge service for divorce was born. And I kind of got things going. I figured out my name, hung my shingle, um, started taking some coach training, and then of course went through my own divorce, at which point I realized that starting a business and going through a divorce at the same time are probably not the wisest things to do. Mm -hmm. um, so we did, uh, I had been married for 24 years when we separated and um, we had a fairly amicable mediated divorce. And uh, once I sort of got through that, I started in earnest really uh, getting the business off the ground. Got it. Got it. So you, you had the personal experience plus you had helped a friend and you thought, Oh, I'm good at this. And yes. how, did the, how did the concept of uh, a, a concierge service for people divorcing come to the service? Which I think is, br which I think is brilliant, by the way. By <laughs> um, the way. Thank <laughs> you. Not that I know anything. <laughs> um, well, we're, well as what you do know, I guess, that we all re realize after the fact um, that many people don't know because they've never been through it is that there's not only the emotional component of divorce, but there are many moving parts that are all happening at the mm -hmm. same time. And you're an emotional wreck, and yet you have to fill out a statement of net worth. You got to collect all these yeah. zillions of documents. You may never have logged on to your bank account. You have to learn how to do that. Um, so I definitely have a lot of time spent, particularly with um, stay-at-home moms who have been taking care of the children and then sort of let the finances uh, roll to the to their husbands and now they have to face that um, but beyond just the finances there's figuring out how you're gonna manage your children from two households how mm -hmm. you're gonna make transitions what does it mean how do you tell people how do you have the conversations um, just on to everything you need to do once the divorce is final and then things that you probably have no idea about like quadros and all these like terms that your lawyer may be using and you're too embarrassed to ask the question <laughs> what does that mean so that's kind of what i do is really break it down to to help people be feel that they're 
in a safe space to ask any question they want and just say, you know, I know my lawyer's telling me I need this or I have a meeting tomorrow and I don't know what it means um, to let people know, sort of take out the mystery so that they can be more focused mm -hmm. and really negotiate a better deal for themselves. So you help them to find the right people, but, and just as important, I think, it sounds like you help them understand the terminology and divorce like any like any area that has specialization has its own its own language yes. uh, that each professional uses actually I've noticed you know the attorneys have their terminology financial planners have their terminology therapists have their terminology and so you you make sure that everybody understands what's being said exactly, exactly. so that they can choose from a place of real understanding and it sounds like you really get in their corner also I mean we all know that you know, I've done some divorce coaching and so I know that, and I've been divorced and I've been a child in divorce. So I know that divorce can be really, really stressful. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I know my personal experience was that my friends, many of my friends were married and even though they wanted to be supportive of me, they didn't really understand what I was going through, nor could they uh, on some level. In fact, I, I think some people, they acted like maybe they would catch it from me. So, you know, how do you, how do you support people in terms of um, feeling connected in the divorce process? Yeah, and I think that's a particular issue for uh, the younger moms uh, that are not, and I do work with men as well, but for younger couples, particularly because they have nobody really to talk to. I had one client that was petrified about how the moms at school were gonna react when they found out and mm -hmm. what would she say? And basically, she just needed permission to say that I don't want to talk about it, and that's okay. So some, sometimes it's just giving them the language and being that person when there's nobody really to talk to. Um, I think like some of the mistakes that I made, although I'm of the, the, the what they call, and I hate to say it because I, I want to call it the platinum blonde divorce, but the gray divorce generation, um, I also had no one to talk to, interestingly. Um, my, my community was just not, I wasn't close with anybody local. And I, the friend who ha had navigated it ahead of me, that was my inspiration <laughs> for my business as a working mom and now a single working mom. So she had um, her, own, her own stuff to deal with. Um, but I think that it's, it's kind of, you go into whether it's mediation, which it was my case, and particularly in, in a high conflict situation, and you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what to expect. And then you're afraid to speak up because you're yeah. afraid if you say something, particularly if you're the non-moneyed spouse, that the deal will just fall apart and you'll be left with nothing. And that, that's, it, it's a real fear for, for some people, but in most cases, it's, it's just it's that like disaster mentality that you, that you go through. So I really try to be that you know, voice of reason, the sounding board that says, you know, he's not going to lock you and the children out of, out of the house and put you on the street. And you are a capable person that can go back to work and we'll mm -hmm. figure out a path for you. And so the more, the more planful you are, the more you have the steps uh, in place or that you know what they could be, the less stress you should have. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that you work with people to help them uh, be, uh, you, you use the term planful. I, you know what I hear when you say that is um, to think about the future and how they can navigate towards a, a future they might want, even though divorce is not anything that anyone would want necessarily. Um, it, it, it does have an ending point, and there is a future place to get to it. And I hear that you that you help people to 
be careful about what they say and how they act so that they can get there. And you know what it makes me wonder as I'm listening to you is um, how, how does what the work you do different from what, let's say, a, a therapist might do? That's a great question. Um, and I think I often work hand in hand with therapists. So therapists definitely help with um, obviously serious, um, any kind of emotional trauma, um, the, your history, figuring out how you ended up in this relationship. Uh, and, you know, some, if you, if I've had clients who've had PTSD from severe emotional abuse, I've had clients that just get like so depressed beyond just the sadness, but really mm. can't get out of bed. So there's definitely, um, and I think we work very well together. Um, in general, you know, coaching, divorce coaching, life coaching is very forward thinking and, and trying to get you from here to there. I kind of use the coaching tools as vehicles to help get the tactical stuff done. So I work in, mm -hmm. um, I don't exclusively coach, but I, I feel like those tools are invaluable for clients that are really having a hard time, but it's more to, to propel them forward and getting through the, the actual tactical process. And then when it comes to the other side, maybe they'll do visioning or things that will help, you know, if they want to go back to work or dating or whatever, whatever it may be. I got it. So therapists are going to, always help with um, addictions, mental illness, uh, you know, uh, deep-seated emotional trauma, and coaches are going to, though there may be some overlap, coaches are going to be far less therapeutic and much more forward-thinking. Yeah, I don't know about, you know, therapeutic is a matter of, of degrees and what, you know, you have, but the mostly it's a complementary relationship and i think that's really important mm -hmm. i often get referrals from from therapists because they don't do statements of net worth and and uh hire attorneys yeah no absolutely and actually um in some of the marital mediation work that i've done i've had clients who one partner is is diagnosed as depressed or they're diagnosed as having an addictions issue and in my experience, if they're not being treated for that outside of the couple's work, then the couple's work can't move forward. And it is not my role to help them with that. My role is to help them with what they came to me for. And it sounds very, very similar, actually, except that instead of a couple, you're working with an individual. Exactly. Exactly. Got it. I got uh -huh. it. And um, I'm actually curious about your MBA. I, I know that uh, in reading about you and you've been interviewed pretty extensively, this, this comes into play. Tell our audience more about how your business background helps you in this work. I look at my, my work with my clients as helping them separate the emotions of divorce from the business of divorce. Because mm -hmm. unfortunately, you know, if, if you break down divorce to its, to its real elements, it's you're breaking a contract. And there are a lot of things that have to get done. And so um, I look at it, you know, not impersonally, but from a business point of view, this mm -hmm. is what we need to do. This, this is what your financial picture is. This is how much money's coming in. This how, is how much money's going out. These are the changes you're going to have to make. So I have a very um, business entrepreneurial focus, um, which is, you know, kind of where I guess the MBA plays in, in my thinking and the marketing aspects of it as well. Okay, so it's about, it's about separating. I like the way you said you're breaking a contract or maybe it's renegotiating a contract because, I mean, if, you're, if you have children, um, that, contract, that contract's definitely being renegotiated. Yes. And, and actually, I've heard, um, I've heard professionals in the psychology field say that even if you don't have children, that that relationship in some way continues 
even if you don't talk to each other very often over over years, the fact that you were married and the fact that you had that agreement um, is always with you. So I, I, I really get the idea of renegotiating a contract. And so you separate the, the business side from the emotional side. And how does that help the, the people getting divorced? Well, I think when you're, you know, overwhelmed by emotion, your brain, you know, technically your brain is not functioning at full capacity, you know, full ability, and you're not seeing things clearly. And you'll often make rash decisions because you want to get it over with, or you'll make um, irrational decisions because um, you're just so angry or upset or w whatever that is. So mm -hmm. um, that's one very big piece of what I do, trying to help my clients see like, which, how much of this is an emotional decision? I absolutely have to keep the house. It's the only thing I want versus let's be realistic. Keeping the house is a really expensive proposition. Does it really make sense? Mm -hmm. um, I had another thought and I just, <laughs> I just lost it, but it was. Um, no, I've, I've heard so many attorneys say they don't understand why their clients are willing to spend $5,000 on a $300 chair. Uh, you know, and it, it's all because of that, what you were just talking about. Emotionally, that chair represents something and then when they get to the other end of the door, they're like, what am I doing with this chair? Like the chair represented it. It right. wasn't it. And right. so I could see how separating the, the emotional from the material or from business from the emotional could make a huge difference and probably make your divorce a lot less, a lot less expensive. Right. And that was the other piece that I was going to say. Um, I try to get run interference, certainly in the high conflict situations and even in, in mediation. I, I tell my clients, if you are having an emotional outburst that you just need your attorney to know, send it to me, call me, get it out with me because your attorney and in you know New York, um, attorneys are somewhere between 500 and up an hour, you're paying in six to 10 minute increments. And that is one really expensive Kleenex box is what yeah. I tell my clients. So um, trying to keep the cost down is a really big part of it. I just want to go back um, for a minute to the, the thought about the contract for um, of divorce versus the business and the ongoing relationship that you mentioned because you um, sparked a thought. One of um, the things that my um, the head of my divorce coaching program said to us early on was that you don't really get over a divorce. You just integrate it into your life. And I think mm -hmm. that's very much what you were saying because it's true. You'll always have been divorced whether or not you have children and it informs how you move forward with the rest of your life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in the, I, I was talking to you earlier about my divorce proof your kids program that I that I just completed the beta group of, and a big part of the process, what we do first is we help the parents. Uh, it's it's a it, hold me backtrack so that because I know you know what the program is, but the people who are listening may not. Um, we help people to let go of the emotional hooks that their divorce may have in them so they can really focus on building resilience in their own life and in their children's life. And resilience is that quality that helps us to bounce back, that helps us to recover, that when we fall down seven times, we get up eight. And so um, a big piece of that, of the, of the front end of the program is all, of, all about mourning the loss of the relationship. Which, because the end, the divorce rep, you know, it, when people get to divorce, they they like to say things like, "Oh, what a terrible mistake I made! How did I marry that schmuck? That whatever, you know? Um, I can't believe they fooled me." But the truth is that they probably weren't fooled. The truth is that in the beginning, something really good was happening, and then over time, for whatever reason, 
uh, the, the relationship shifted and became more toxic. And so part of the process in the workshop is, is celebrating and mourning the loss of what was good um, and, and acknowledging that there was something good there, that something good came from it, that it wasn't that the, each individual were total idiots and sucked each other into a highly toxic, punitive relationship, but it was that it started out on good footing and something else happened along the way. And that mourning process is part of what helps them to move forward in their life. And it's also so beneficial for the children because the children aren't hearing the parents say, what a mistake that was, which happens to be the relationship that they were born out of. Like, how could you as a child grow up in that environment and feel good about yourself? Absolutely, so. and that, that work is so important because um, we know and, and I, I research shows that children suffer more from the process of divorce from how you get divorced and how you interact with your spouse and them during and after the divorce than they do from the actual divorce. And so like a program like that is absolutely critical to healthy children. Yeah, most people don't know that children are at higher risk in the first two years after the divorce is over than while the divorce is going on. Yeah. And, and, and it has to do exactly what you're, what you're, what, with what you're talking about. Do they resolve those emotional issues or are they still hung up on that piece of stickly furniture or absolutely having that house or whatever it is that represents security, happiness, and joy for them? Yeah, and having the plans in place. And, and I think one of the things that I learned, um, my children were, the, my younger one was 18. She was a senior in high school. My older one was in college. And because the youngest was 18, we didn't have to put any parenting plans in place. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge mistake because we were winging it in terms of holidays, weekends, who came where, when, where does my son stay when he comes home from college, all these things. And I think the more you can have, it, and even though we weren't fighting, the kids were very at sea and, and lost in, in where they needed to be. And so mm-hmm. I think any planning, taking out the emotion, um, you know, being ready for the post-divorce life is, is very important. Uh, for people who, you know, I'm, I got, I got like, we're running out of time and I'm hooked by this thing of uh, having adult children. I, you know, I know that um, actually there's a misconception that adult children are at lower risk when parents are getting divorced. And um, the, rea- the reality is that kids in their 18s, 18s, in their 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, or even 23, 24, 25, they're they they're less flexible in some ways than younger children uh and i'm curious how you know you are educated and intelligent how did you how have you managed to avoid some of the pitfalls of having older children when you get divorced and what are steps that you would suggest for people who are in that position well the first thing i think the tendency is because they're older to kind of think you can tell them anything and bounce Mm -hmm. things off of them. Mm -hmm. And at least um, in my case, we didn't really fight that much. So for my kids, they had no idea it was coming and the bottom kind of fell out. And I think that often happens, especially when the empty nesters, when the kids are gone. So I think certainly if they're, um, don't use your kids as, as your, as your friends during your divorce, they're still, Mm -hmm. they're still kids, even if they're, they're older. Um, And um, I think Planning for things that I didn't think of, I think, you know, in terms of scheduling, ask the kids, perhaps it's a family conversation about, okay, like, let's try to figure this out. Um, what's best for all of us for Thanksgiving and Christmas mm-hmm. and vacations? And what do we, you know, if, if there's a new partner, um, my ex just got engaged. So there's a, a lot of drama around that and how, how that will affect 
um, you know, the family in the future. So just having these conversations, but um, as their parents, not as their friend and not putting mm -hmm. them in the middle. Um, same roles as little ones, but they, they really do, it, it hurts them as well. Yeah, so I hear you saying loud and clear, don't put them in the middle, don't make them confidants, uh, and make sure that there's a lot of communication around what's going on. Exactly, exactly. Great advice. One last question, we're, we're a little over, but I'm, I have to know. So what is the legacy that you want to leave behind as a divorce professional? Or as a human being? <laughs> as, a, as a human being, let's go all out. Um, well, I think, you know, many of us have had, at least certainly in my case, that was, you know, a lonely, a lonely place to be in an unhappy relationship. Mm. And divorce is an extremely lonely experience. And no matter how many people, all your friends and all your family who want to help you at the end of the day, it's, it's your own experience. And I just, I really pride myself on being there for you and being that person so that you don't have to be alone in this experience and you don't have to be alone in life. And in fact, I have a, a just one little push for uh, if you're in the New York City area, I have a, a women's group that meets once a month tomorrow actually is our is our March meeting. I don't know when this will air, um, but I am trying to grow a social group called Women, Wine and Wisdom. So and uh, uh, how can they find how can people find that group? Um, if you go on my website, thedivorcierge.com, and I'm assuming you'll put the spelling in your show notes so that people can get Absolutely. that right. Um, under events, you will see um, the upcoming events that I have that are live. And then I'll be launching a podcast as well called Dear Divorcierge to answer your divorce questions coming up in the spring. Oh, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome because I think people really need that. I think people Definitely. need a place where they can ask these questions and get straight answers. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much. You have been amazing and I'm sure you will continue to be amazing. And I, and I look forward to learning more about you and your professional life as we get to know each other better. Thank you so much, Rich. Thanks okay. for having me.